I attended the University of Montana in Missoula, Montana, and I was in a group called the UM Advocates. And probably similar to other colleges and university, UM Advocates, it was a group of students, and we led student tours, we represented the university with things in the community, and often we were in the mix of what was happening around campus. Now, one of the requirements for this work was this semester-long class. And as I was thinking back about this, I can't remember everything that we learned, but I can't forget this. And that is that our professor, who was also our advisor, spent weeks talking about moxie. The drive, the know-how, the importance of anticipating the next moment, thinking about what could be required and then preparing for that. And I remember he said, every time you walk into a room, you have to think about, how will I maneuver through a situation that I wasn't expecting? He drilled into us, you should always have a plan B in your head and know how to act upon that. Now he was right, because this is so good for leadership, for life, especially when you're a fresh 19-year-old. And then I hear these two stories from Mark. Mark's gospel is the shortest of the four. He never minces words. He is quick and he is concise in his stories. Yet he lingers here with over 20 verses. He tells these two stories that he has written and woven together. It's like the details of one bring light to the other. I wonder why Mark takes such careful time with these stories. What is it that we are meant to hear? Now, there's many characters that we hear about, but two that stands out. Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He is named in this story. He is in charge of all things for worship. He's probably highly regarded, and his family is probably known and loved in the community. He has been trained in his work in ritual and social graces. So it's interesting that we do not see finesse or control as Jesus steps out of the boat on the shores of his town. Rather, he falls to the sand at Jesus' feet and he begs him to save his dying daughter. Proper etiquette has no place in the midst of his crisis. So Jesus heads to follow the man to find his dying daughter. And as he goes, the crowds swell around him. And in the midst of this mass of people, a woman who is given no name, all that we know is that she has been bleeding for 12 years. Think back 12 years ago, June 2003. 12 years is a long time. Mark tells us that she has lost everything as she has tried every option to get better, and she has only gotten worse. You see, her bleeding makes her unclean. She's shunned from anyone or any place in the community. For her to even be out in the midst of the crowd 
is unthinkable. But she heard about Jesus and that little motor inside her heart is somehow trusting in what could be possible. She can barely keep up with the crowds in Jesus. And she dared not approach him directly. She's unclean and she's a woman. So instead, she falls forward. She reaches out just to touch his cloak. Something happens. She can feel it. Jesus can feel it. He stops. His focused walk to the leader of the synagogue's house is interrupted. The woman, now cured, falls down and tells Jesus the whole truth, her whole story, 12 years of agony. Jesus listens. He gives her the name now of daughter, and he responds, your faith has saved you. The panic does not end, though. In the meantime, the little girl has died. The crowd tells Jesus just to forget it. The opportunity for healing has now escaped. But Jesus presses forward and enters Jairus' home, reaches out to touch the girl. She is awakened, and she stands up and walks. There is something about Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman's desperation that we cannot miss. What they have is more than moxie. They are both in crisis. Every means that the world has offered to help them anticipate, to carefully maneuver and overcome what they are dealing with does not withstand what they are facing. They come to Jesus only with their anguish, with their desperation, and some crazy thought that maybe Jesus could enter into that situation and make a path clear that they cannot see. I was taught that moxie is good. I was taught, bring that extra set of batteries, know where to find extra chairs that need to be set up for a meeting. But there are times, many times in our lives, where there are no more options. There's nothing more that we can do. It's when life hits us in the belly and the toolbox of this world has been exalted. Some of you are there right now. Charleston and our country felt this blow after these last couple weeks. Often when we hear miracle stories like this, we think, well, that's great. The woman was healed and the little girl awoke from her death sleep. Miracles happened back then. But where is Jesus now to do the same in my life? I wonder if Mark interconnected these stories so that we can hear there is no formula for faith. There's no perfect way to do it. Such different characters and stories, but they're both coming to Jesus in crisis and trusting that he will notice. Now, I find Jesus' words to the woman and to Jairus so interesting. He says to the woman, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Literally, those words say, Your faith has saved you. What was her faith? 
It was the unfiltered last attempt to grasp at something ahead of her without knowing if it would work. After Jairus heard that his daughter had already died, Jesus says something so interesting. Don't fear, only believe. Jesus' words seem a day late and a dollar short. He's already waiting in fear. How does he stop that? But there's an ongoing action in Jesus' words for Jairus and for us. Literally what Jesus is saying, stop being afraid. Go on and live in faith. Live in the possibility that God has not extinguished all options. But this is not easy. We're not wired for this. We're wired to have something in our back pocket that will save the day. Faith is most difficult. It's unscripted and it's out of control. There is a risk always. But Jesus shows up in these stories right there. And maybe that's what we cling to. He doesn't back away from 12 years of suffering. He doesn't back away from even death itself. Now there's a polished side to church and we're drawn to it. Moxie is needed in a world rushing with risk. But when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, God requires none of this. What we hear is that Jesus shows up in the last straw, in the moments when there's no other options. This is where he is found. And this is why we need space to lament We need times to fall down and weep, to wave the white surrender flag, to reach out in desperation, and to huddle around each other, and to say everything else has fallen away, but somehow we are trusting that God has not. The rawness of faith and the amazing grace that meets us there For Jairus and for the bleeding woman and for Jesus, thanks be to God. Amen.